0: Greetings listeners in listener land. welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is going on regionally, nationally, and internationally. We have two guests in studio, Alan Adi and John Lane. They are two acclaimed musicians who have used their talent to advocate for social justice. Alan Adi was in 1972 a founding member of a group whose premise was that percussionists should be able to behave in our time just as string quartets had done since the time of Beethoven, and that's a great thing. He went to the University of Cincinnati in 1977 with the Black Earth Percussion Group and founded the world-renowned Ensemble Percussion Group Cincinnati where he was professor of percussion. He is now emeritus professor at the University of Cincinnati. And John Lane is an artist whose creative work and collaborations extend through percussion to poetry, spoken word, and theater, often bridging music performance with sociopolitical advocacy. He has appeared on stages throughout the United States, Australia, Japan, and along with Alan Adi has created an ongoing social justice advocacy project called The Innocence, which has toured throughout the United States and is now the subject of a feature-length documentary, which is going to be performed at Washington University Brown Theater Sunday, November 13th at 1.30. Alan and John, welcome to St. Louis In Tune.
1: Hi, Arnold. Great. thank you so much.
0: Hey, first question, how did you guys get together?
2: Well, I was uh, studying my doctorate at Cincinnati. I was introduced to Al's uh, Black Earth Percussion Group by one of my teachers when I was studying percussion at the University of North Texas, Christopher Dean, dear dear mentor of mine, who recently passed away. But he introduced me to Al's music, uh, his work, and his... um, worked through black earth and and then I discovered Percussion group Cincinnati, and decided that that's where I needed to go and study. So uh, so I worked on my doctorate in percussion with Al many years ago.
1: Chris, Chris had been a, a previous master's student of mine, so um, it was a you know passing on through generations of of percussionists who were interested in some of the fringe areas of percussion.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now what does it mean, Alan, about percussionists should behave in our time just as string quartets had (laughs) done since the time of Beethoven? What does that mean for those people who aren't musically inclined out there?
1: Well, I I just have the sense even from from the days of my uh, college studies, I, I envied the string players who got, credit for forming little quartets and studying intensely um, a few pieces of great literature and really worked together in a very intimate sort of way, whereas mostly for percussionists, uh, either we're in a long, long line of drummers making lots of sound for, for outdoor marching or or were the powerhouse individual in some popular music thing or you know standing at the back of the orchestra contributing that that beautiful once every 20 minute triangle note and <laughs> and, and really at at that point it's now hard to believe but in the in the early 1970s there was no professional group in the United States that functioned like a string quartet, that, that you just were together the same people every day for the purpose of developing your your art form with one another in the way that string quartets had done. And, and that would be the way to to develop the literature. I mean, it's the composers who write the music for us that makes, makes any art form, you know, survive and flourish.
0: John, how did you move from what Alan just said and you being a doctoral student there at the University of Cincinnati under him, how did you move to poetry and spoken word and bridging music performance with sociopolitical advocacy?
2: I think I've always been attracted to creativity in all all forms, and it was something that um, I really couldn't articulate for myself until I had gotten that far in my studies. That I was really interested in making things and and the creative act, and I was always sort of felt more partial to composers and writers and filmmakers than I felt to other <laughs> percussionists necessarily, and uh, so that's kind of how I I stumbled into it and. When I when I discovered Al's work, I I just felt that there was a resonance there uh, with kind of who I wanted to be as an as an artist, and uh, that 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 connected me to his work. And then I was introduced to ways in which composers, you know, participated and reacted to the issues of their time. And that there uh, I learned from Al that there wasn't necessarily a reason that you have to separate your concerns or things that are happening in the world that you want to be engaged with from the work that you do and so that's I would say that's how I bridged that gap.
0: So how do we move from now both of what you just said to the innocence and many people will think this is just a movie and it's really not because it's based on a performance art piece that you've been doing for 12 years now.
1: Yes, um, it, it it was generated by an, an event in Cincinnati during John's doctoral studies uh, where the Contemporary Art Museum was hosting a uh, show by the photographer Terrence Simon, and this was a beautiful um, exhibit of photographs, which were, you know, huge, huge, almost larger than life size photographs of exonerees um, in situations either where where their alibi was or at the scene of the crime that they never committed and she had made a book of of interviewing these people a little bit of their life story but then these immense um art pieces which were photographs and the uh the art museum wanted an opening event and came to the conservatory asked if any you know someone knew that i might do a little kind of creative work, and since John, uh, John was right at hand, I immediately proposed that we do it together. That it would be a good project for for both of us to to work on. So that's how it began. That we did a little, uh, our own little response as an opening uh, for this art gallery show, um, and it was probably not more than 12 minutes of music when we first started. You know.
0: And explain performance art to people. They may not be familiar with with that terminology.
2: I would say performance art uh, combines elements that you might be familiar with, music, spoken text, uh, in some cases, movement. uh, And and it sort of combines all those elements into a kind of multimedia experience. And uh, that's kind of what performance art is. It also combines elements of theater. So our piece, for instance, combines spoken texts with music uh soundscapes um and then the very act of you know the kind of percussion that we do it's all on found objects books and cardboard boxes and things so there's an element of kind of a theatricality to it as well um that that brings kind of a visual element to the show so it combines all those elements that's i guess that's what i would say performance art is
0: and and how has the performance evolved over 12 years i'm sure you're not you don't Ever do the same kind of thing each time you perform this piece?
2: We've added to it over the years. Um, you know, it started as that 12-minute interstitial music, and then, and then over the years, we've we've added to it.
1: We've uh, we've done this thing uh, by invitation not only to universities uh, but we've played in in um, community community centers or, or community organizations which have sent us into schools but we've also done a number of conferences uh, with the innocence project itself and this means uh, lawyers and social workers and people who are actually doing doing the work of this DNA exoneration the very very high hard work of, of making this happen for the wrongfully incarcerated people. And um, as we've met these people and worked with this, we just became more and more aware of all the different aspects of this story. And uh, John and I sort of... Um, Agreed, fell into and agreed that we've both read different different books, uh, acquainted ourselves with different aspects of this story. So over a period of years, one or the other authors would would come back with a new idea for some aspect of this whole process that that could be um, brought you know, that we should bring attention to and and. What we've said all along, what we found is, is somehow just reading the information, we can all read about the numbers, the, the problems of the uh, criminal justice system. and, and But to, to put it in, to find some way to, uh, to nest it in a performance context um, is, is a way to feel it, to actually feel it. And um, so that, that's how we've uh, looked for issues related to this and made it into by now and, and nearly hour long evening length performance.
0: Yeah. that that's, that's really a great way to, to understand that, that it is something that is felt. And as I watched uh, the trailer of the movie and watched a former exoneree who had wrongfully uh, been mm-hmm. spent 13 years in a Texas prison system she felt this overwhelming just sense of, you got it. You, you know exactly how I feel. And what, what a high, high compliment. What has been the response over the years with this uh, as, as you performed it?
2: Well, we've we've had the opportunity to play for a few exonerees, and Al mentioned we've played at some conferences. We we performed at the Innocence Network conference, which is the one of the largest gatherings of people involved in that work, innocence work, trying to uh, work on those issues of wrongful imprisonment and exoneration. And so we've we've had the opportunity to play for exonerees over the years, and without exception, they they come up and tell us how how important this work is for them, you know, that, that, uh, that their message is, is getting out. And we've several examples of that, but uh, Arna was definitely one of those voices that, you know, w- great supporter of what we were doing. And uh, in fact, just sort of, it's in the film, but she, you know, she wasn't sure how she felt about it uh, and, you know, going into the performance and then there's in the, in the film, there are scenes of her watching us perform the piece and then, after it was over, we, we gave two performances in that particular conference where she was with us. She told us that she couldn't do the second one. It was too it was too much. We we were too close. Wow. <laughs> you know, too too close to home. She said it was just it was so powerful she couldn't uh, couldn't do another performance, but was, you know, again, very supportive of the work and, and the message that we were trying to that we're trying to deliver.
1: Which is quite quite Touching for us, but but a real testament to to this idea of of the purpose of art in, in any in any society. Um, the fact that, of course, it's not true that that John and I, two you know archetypal sort of privileged white guys, would would feel what what it's like to be swept off swept up off the street uh, wrongfully and thrown into prison for 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but but through sound, through the energy uh, of 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 the way we participate in in making the sound what it's our imagination. well, what must this feel like? you know there's a whole, Segment of, of smashing rocks, you know, which is based on the history of chain gang and uh, songs from the 1930s that prisoners evolved spiritual kind of songs. But to play along with these as we smash rocks and and feel the visceral power of the of the anger and the injustice, um, it's it's a way to express it, and uh, so that that's a lovely feedback that in fact the art does translate.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a high compliment to both of you to be able to express that from someone who has experienced it.
1: Hmm.
2: It's always a very emotional experience for, for me personally when we've had the opportunity to play for exoneries and, and and also just people that do the work. We, we did some work in Georgia with the Georgia Innocence Project and to have the people that are Doing the work, be supportive of what we're doing is very moving, and and you know uh, that's been really powerful. Those have been really powerful experiences with this with this piece to support so, what they're doing. You know,
0: how did the director get a hold of you, or did you get a hold of the director? or How did the movie come about? Explain that. <laughs> yeah,
2: one. so so Wojcik, uh, the filmmaker, is uh, a colleague of mine at Sam Houston State University. I, I teach percussion there, and he. Uh, is in the mass communication department. And I had helped him with another uh, short film that he was making. I helped to organize some music for it, just to be friendly and creative and collaborate. And so whenever Al and I expanded the piece um, to be an hour long and we started touring it, I had the feeling that, um, we both had the feeling that we should somehow document this work. We need to, maybe we can make a filmed version or record it somehow. So I I talked to Wojciech and I sort of pitched the idea that we we were looking to document this in some way. I I said, I'm not sure if there's a film here or if we just make a concert recording or what. And I, as I described what the piece was, he just became very enthusiastic about the project and said, I want to make a documentary film about this. And he ended up following us on um, for over the period of almost two years, I think uh, on various tours and uh, incredible documentary filmmaker you know he just he was able to be a fly on the wall and we would sometimes just forget that we were being filmed and so he just got he captured some really really great moments in the in the film but that's that's the connection
0: did that change the perspective at all for either of you that you were being filmed or you just kind of disassociated with that and were involved in the music as you were performing
1: I, I think that's the compliment to him that we all. Yeah, he'd hand me the microphone. He'd say, "Look, I know you don't want this. I'd be grumpy about it. I, I don't want to put this on. I don't want to be bothered with more stuff here." Um, I'd put it on, and then I'd forget about it. Um, and, and not only just for the performance, but you know, we'd be unloading at some high school in Oklahoma, and there'd be a drone <laughs> flying, <laughs> flying up above. <laughs> what What is that? And um But um, yeah, even to us, even more interesting than the actual time during the performances is uh, the moments, you know, while we're setting up or John and I are talking with one another about some, you know, fixing some little problem or, or whatever. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating how, how well um, Wojciech was able to, stay out of our line of sight we we just completely forgot that he was there there was I, we never once in two years felt like we were playing to the camera. we just did what we do you know um, yeah. so which
2: is a really a credit to his you know masterful yeah. you know documentary style you know mm-hmm. he's able to do that and I, I was able to see one of his other documentary films and it's very much in the same vein he's able to just capture these very candid moments by just hanging back and staying out of the way and letting letting the events unfold. And so I I, I shudder to think how many hours and hours of footage he had to watch to uh, I mean because he filmed us on so many tours, literally hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of footage to distill wow. into this film.
0: Has the performance of this piece for either of you when you perform? traditional, in quotation marks, traditional percussion ensemble music or just general percussion music, or even if you're playing with a larger ensemble like an orchestra, has that changed either of your approaches uh, in your performance or in how you perform?
1: We've done workshops for... uh, Conservatory uh, students, sometimes percussion masterclasses, or or larger groups of of current serious music students, and the thing we we most want to say is that neither of us feel like we've given up any iota of our years and years of study and perfecting our technique and art form but it's uh but rather than using those um, highly refined skills on a snare drum in the back of an orchestra we're doing that on a cardboard box while talking about some prison diary kind of thing and um, it's tremendously satisfying Uh, I couldn't do it we couldn't do what we do had we not studied uh, the music of our predecessors and the, the great people in our field and and you know taking that all very seriously but uh to now find a way to put that to uh, a different use is not only tremendously satisfying but it's fun we we often say we feel a little guilty because this is a very serious subject matter um and um but when we play it we're we're having a great time (laughs) it feels good to play Mm -hmm. yeah
0: john what any thoughts on that
1: no, I would just
2: say that, you know, that's another thing that um, tangentially related, but it's another thing that the documentary captures is our relationship, the, the relationship that Al and I have uh, together. And, you know, it's it's quite uh, fun. You know, it's I mean, it's a it's a very serious subject, but it, he captures some beautiful moments between us, comedic moments and things, you know, so it's it's the whole it runs the kind of whole spectrum of emotions and. Um, so
0: yeah we're having a conversation with alan Adi and john lane they are in a movie which is called the innocence it's a piece that is was created to shine a spotlight on the growing problem of wrongful convictions in the united states and it's going to be shown sunday november 13th at 130 at washington university brown theater and gentlemen my last question and always deals with whether it's a uh, performance art, whether it's visual or musical or theatrical, is what suggestions do you have for budding musicians, budding percussionists who want to really become a professional? What suggestions do you have for them?
1: Uh, we, we are coming to St. Louis um, just on the heels of being at a percussion convention where, um, uh, Friday morning, a young man from Costa Rica came up to us um, and said, um, I saw your performance a year ago at the percussion convention. They found us a spot to do a little 15 minute um, excerpt from the piece. And this young percussionist from Costa Rica saw it and um, said that it was the most moving thing he had ever experienced in his life he had no idea that as a percussionist as an um that that he could he could focus his energies in this way. So he went back uh, home and thought about what this meant to him in Costa Rica and uh, appeared this year, made a proposal, and he got a spot to play a little piece he had made about um, the, the problems of pollution and, and um, recycling and and the degradation of costa rican uh pristine beaches and lands and you know by using all kinds of things that have washed up on the beaches of costa rica mm. turning them into percussion instruments and doing this piece and and I, it was very touching for us to have this this lovely young guy come up and and say he would have never done it had he not had an example you know and and um and i think that's for all of us in everything we do this idea that there's a status quo and somebody speaks up somebody says something and that's the magic to break the status quo somebody will will listen will notice and will you know they don't have to do we always say that well we don't want anybody else to play this piece you don't have to do something about imprisonment what's your issue what touches right. You, you right know? Mm-hmm. yeah
0: john what are your thoughts
1: uh,
2: I, I echo, I, I mean, <laughs> Al says it beautifully. I, you know, I, I just echo that completely. I, you know, this we this issue for us, you know, we truly stumbled into the issue. Mm. It wasn't something that we set out to do from the beginning. It landed in our laps. Mm. And then over the years, we learned more about it and became, you know, found our role as advocates in this. And I think that's the thing that I would want to say to someone else is it might look on the outside that, well, we had this issue and we dreamed of this thing and then we made it and that was it. But it was a long journey. It was not something that happened. We didn't wake up one morning and decided we were going to write a piece about wrongful imprisonment. I mean, it landed in our laps as this opportunity. We made something. We kept coming back to it. It kept building. We kept learning. And along the way, we found our role as artist advocates and that's a, that's a path that you have to journey it's not you know it's not something that you can just initiate you know it, it comes with time and and finding your voice artistically is one side of it and then deciding what things are you would like to comment on or be involved with what issues are important to you you know it's a it's definitely a path and it's not for everyone not every artist is going to engage and Socio-political issues, and that's okay. But I've found for for us, I think I can speak for Al that it's been very meaningful in our in our lives to find ourselves at the intersection of art and advocacy.
0: What a wonderful role that music plays in that, and has performed uh, in even in the background of of advocacy that's been going on. But the, the fact that you two have merged that together is just uh, not the creation of another art form. It's just the evolution uh, to a, to another degree and taking your performance levels to another degree. I greatly appreciate the time that both of you have uh, spent with us. Uh, Alan Adi and John Lane, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us about your performance piece that is The innocence, and going to be shown at Washington University on Sunday, November 13th at 1.30 p.m. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so thank much. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Wrongful imprisonment and exoneration. Here are some statistics from the National Innocence Project to put the issue in perspective. 37 states where exonerations have been won. 14 years, the average number of years served. is the average age at the time of wrongful conviction. 42.8 is the average age at exoneration. And get these statistics now, folks. 5,284, the total number of years served from DNA-based exonerations. 28,171, the total number of years served from the National Registry of Exoneration, which includes all methods of exonerations. The social justice advocacy project that Alan and John perform in called The Innocence*, the movie, which is going to be performed Sunday, November 13th at 1.30 p.m. at Washington University Brown Theater. They are talking about their roles as artists, advocates, and perform a piece that's just outstanding. They are two acclaimed musicians, and they are determined to use their talents to advocate for social justice issues, specifically about wrongful convictions in the United States. You will also see Ana Vasquez, an exoneree who spent 13 years in a Texas prison system for a crime which never happened. That's all for this segment of St. Louis in Tune. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast to keep up on all of the latest episodes. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.